posted on dimlywit.com. I'm Dr. Daryl Appleton, and this is Feelings and Other F-Words. The F-Word of the day is very near and dear to my very, very tired heart. And that is because we are talking about parenting fatigue. Yes, yes, yes. Those tired, sunken-eyed, slightly disheveled-looking parents walking around, this one is for you. And hopefully in this episode, we can dig into some of the whys and validate the experience and maybe give a little bit of clarity on what to do about it. I have to start this out with, number one, I was an excellent parent. The best parent one could ever possibly be or have on the face of this earth. Other people should have gotten out of my way with how good of a parent I was before I had children, before I had kids. And my parenting style has been solely dictated by my children in some level. Like, I, who knew? Who knew that all these ideas I had about screen time and what they would wear and what I would wear and what would they would do or what they would be like and how they would listen to me so attentively so, so attentively um, would actually not be true whatsoever. So I think there is this expectation versus reality to a lot of this that we also need to dive into a bit. But this this was actually, this episode was inspired by this past weekend. I had a bunch of my college basketball teammates up to my house and we don't get together often because kids, life. And we were sitting there and the kids were there as well. And we're in this weird juxtaposition, right? I knew all these women at a time in all of our lives where we were free. We were so free. We were so, we had so much energy in life. (laughs) We, We had so much autonomy. And now we're sitting here being interrupted every five seconds with somebody being like, can you wipe my behind? She threw a rock at me. Can I go climb this tree? Can I have another donut? Like, please don't touch that. Like, stay away from the lights, you know, don't put your finger in the socket, all this stuff. And I'm looking around, I'm like, you know, wow, things freaking change. And in our conversations that weren't being rudely interrupted by all of our children, you know, we we all kind of looked at each other and without saying it, we all felt it. And we all felt this, the heaviness of being a parent as well as the joy and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. I don't want people to come at me. I love my kids. I love my kids. But this is about the the experience of parenting, because guess what, friends? Guess what? You cannot take a sick day from your children. Even worse, when you are actually sick, you cannot not take care of them if they are sick as well. Even if they're not, you drag your ass out of bed, you vomit somewhere in a bucket, and then you go make some eggs, and then you drag yourself back upstairs. Like, it's it is the hardest thing I have ever had to do. And listen, there is fatigue all around us. Absolutely. People without children can feel this as well. But the parenting fatigue is something I have never, ever experienced ever before. And it's common. The New York Times actually published something not too long ago, and they found that 66 percent of working parents 
met the criteria for parental fatigue or parental burnout. 66% of us are just walking around being burnt out from deciding to have unprotected sex. Good God. And it's so much more than that, right? And they kind of broke down some of the symptoms that lead to burnout. You know, and we see this in the World Health Organization on traditional burnout scales. But parenting looks a little different because we see manifestations of this burnout happen in isolation, meaning isolating from your kids physically as well as emotionally. Now, this is a safe space, right? We're in a safe space. I'm going to tell you guys something. And it's not shocking, I'm sure. But 100% I will hide in my car from my kids. They are being looked after. I'm not leaving them, you know, in the house alone. They're one and a half. So that would be wildly irresponsible. But I will totally sneak out to my car and hang out there for as long as I can. Or, you know, those cruises to nowhere where you just sail, you know, along the Mediterranean. I do that in my car. I just drive to nowhere and back. No destination, no errand to run. I just drive and it's the best vacation that I get. Now, I also understand why Jimmy, my husband, just has to make all these Home Depot runs. Like, I understand the call, like the music from the commercial just plays in my head. And I feel like so many significant others are just pulled to those glorious big aisles just full of stuff that nobody actually needs, but, you know, seems important. So, like, I get I get it. Um, And it's funny, some of my girlfriends and I talk a lot about our significant others and how, like, wow, they were never really that handy until we had kids. Nah, never fixed a door in their goddamn life. But here you are, Bob Vila, home again. And I think that's also part of it because the next symptom that was listed in this Times New York Times article was feeling angry or resentful about child care. And this we're going to dive into a little bit later, specifically about primary parenting fatigue, being the primary caregiver. But we can see this across the board in burnout in general with parents, this anger or this resentment about childcare. And it typically doesn't manifest at being angry at your child for having to care for them. It typically doesn't look like, here we go again, Bobby, another day of bringing you to school. Like it might, it may, but I'm willing to bet, and this is from the marriage counseling that I've done in, in my past with my clients, it usually manifests as, I am the one bringing little Bobby to school, Bob, while you're at Home Depot. Um, so I think when we have this anger about being a parent or our duties as parent, again, red flag, yellow flag, depending on how severe. This next one, though, I I would definitely put a red flag on the play if you're feeling this to a level, um, it could be really unhealthy. And that is feeling trapped and feeling like you're having lots of escape ideations or fantasies. And this is not, oh my God, I wish I was out with my girlfriends and I wish that I was just sipping, you know, a pina colada on the beach at an adults only resort where children get punted out the front door. This is a little bit more of like, what if I did leave my family? Or in a really severe case, like what if I physically was no longer on this earth? I bet I would be a better parent if I wasn't actually here. Then I'm starting to worry about you because we might actually be talking about suicidal ideation in some capacity. So those are some of the things that were really highlighted in this article as far as symptoms go of parental burnout. 
Now, the most fucked up part is most of us, I've met bad parents, but so most of us want to be good parents for our children and being burnt out, the repercussions are actually on our kids. And that's the most crazy piece of this, that while trying to be it all and do it all and fight this fatigue, we end up being shorter with our kids or not having as much patience, or it could enter into the realms of violence, whether that's verbally or emotionally or physically, because we are not well. We're not well ourselves. We don't have the skills to figure it the fuck out and keep it all together. The So I, I kind of like was like, okay, I get all that. And again, New York Times article, working parents, 66% of us are just feeling these ways all the time. And then I started to think like, is this like an American thing? Because I have cousins that live in London and in Italy and they always laugh. They're like, no, I would never move to the States because you guys are absolute psychopaths. Like your two week vacation is ridiculous. It's abuse. Um, So I'm like, okay, is this maybe an American thing? So I stumbled across the Effective Science Journal and there was a study that was published in 2022 that looked at, I think it was 17,000 plus parents, maybe close to 18,000 from 42 different countries. And they use this parental burnout assessment. Yes, friends, there is an assessment on parental burnout, validated and reliable to see and answer exactly that question. Is this a cultural thing? Is this a geographic thing? Like what, what is this? How do we unpack this? Now, to be fair, this data was collected in the height of the pandemic. So it was collected in around 2020 to 2021. And it found that the number one country, or there was a few of them, but within the number ones, and there was three of them, was Poland, Belgium, and the good old U.S. of A. And this makes sense because they go on to list how these are very individualistic countries, meaning we don't necessarily have multi-generational families under one roof. And that whole it takes a village, this type of community care is not as seen as it is in the lower rating countries for burnout, um, the lowest being Thailand. So, yes, how we are raised specifically as Americans matters because we think we can do it all. Manifest destiny. God, conquer, conquer that space. But uh, we need help. We need help. And we're seeing that through these cultures that do have help and they are not afraid to ask for it. And and it is multi-generational in a lot of ways. This study also found the people who are more likely to get burnt out are the following. Now, hold on to your hats because I'm not going to blow your mind much here, but hold on to them anyway. So people who are most likely to get burnt out are younger parents, meaning younger in age, mothers, which I will unpack in a second, moms, I see you, I see you, non-working parents, parents in disadvantaged neighborhoods, parents with multiple kids, parents with younger children, single parents, step-parents, and parents who do not live in multi-generational communities or houses or what I was talking about before. Duh. Duh. None of this is surprising, right? But sometimes when we hear it out loud, 
hopefully we can take some inventory ourselves and say, wow, right. I, I do fall into a few of these categories. Like it, research is showing that I am more likely to get burnt out. Now, knowledge is power, friends. Knowledge is power. And I say this a lot about mental health. Just because you say you're burnt out doesn't mean you get to just sit in it. I think about diabetes a lot when I talk about mental health in in a million ways. You can get the diagnosis of diabetes. That does not mean you can go out and eat a whole bunch of fucking cake and think that you won't go blind or your foot won't get chopped off by my husband in his private practice. Right? Same thing with burnout, same thing with anxiety or depression, just to get diagnosed and have that validation of like, ooh, there's a name to it. That's only one part. We then need to make these lifestyle choices. We then need to do something about it, because if we're predisposed or if we are already there, then it is more likely to happen to us if we don't change our behaviors. And that's some powerful advice, simple advice, annoying advice but powerful advice. You don't have to be this statistic. You don't have to be this person. And after the break, we are going to dig into our write-in story, which I I feel for this person, this woman. Um, And we're going to be talking a little bit more about primary parenting fatigue and this idea that being a primary parent sometimes is just thrust upon you and it becomes another full-time job that you do not get paid for or get any awards on the wall about, um, but yet it is your job. And I want to go through some of the burnout scale questions so you guys can actually assess for yourselves where you fall, if you fall on this burnout and what to do about it. So some really tangible action steps and all of that is after the break. Welcome back to Feelings and Other F-Words. We are about to dive into a story that was sent to me, again, from a subreddit. And this one is about parenting specifically. Now, people, don't be afraid to share your personal stories. Clearly, I'm not identifying any of you, but I think it is way more culturally appropriate in our day and age to share other people's pain. And that's what you all are doing. So we can also continue to do that. But this story is a little bit long. Um, So I'm going to get to the point. And if you want to continue to hear the story, definitely stick with it because it might uh, it might it might feel multiple ways. The gist of it is in the TLDR, which means too long, didn't read. And yes, I had to Google that. It's my husband gets to be single, a childless guy doing a travel job for extra money while I kill myself working two jobs, raising our baby mostly alone. He hurt his back and doesn't want to come back early because he doesn't know how his back will do with traveling. Mm, This feels like the beginning of a snapped episode, right? Okay. So they say, my husband is currently doing contract jobs away from home about six hour is about a six hour drive away. So he's gone all except two days a week. We have a one-year-old. I have two jobs one of which I was just voluntold, which I love that. I was just voluntold to run a 70-person department in addition to my other duties. We just bought a house. We are doing major renovations. We are living in our apartment until renovations finish. I'm handling the bills, caring for the baby, managing childcare while I'm at work, keeping the household running all week, et cetera, et cetera. He works. 
He tries to help manage some calls with contractors. Mostly, he gets to be a single childless person while I am stuck here feeling like a single mom. I know I'm not the same, but I do. He gets to go with he gets to go out with friends and sleep in. He gets to eat meals in peace. And I am so sleep deprived, I want to gouge my eyes out. I've been there. I've been there. I am losing my fucking mind. I cry probably every other day. I didn't even know if I wanted kids for a long time. It was always my husband's dream. I agreed to one as long as I had the support of an involved and supportive partner. I would say his level of involvement is okay, even when he's here full time, but probably above average for the rest of the country. I'm in the U.S. There are some other things he is just an idiot about, like he has never once trimmed our kids' nails. It is, quote, my job. Pause here. The amount of things, and I love Jimmy, and he is a way involved partner, like he's super involved and he's very, very good. But the amount of stuff that he has never done or potentially doesn't know how to do or has done this really brilliant and infuriating thing where he pretends he doesn't know and he asks me or he does it completely wrong just so I will then come and do it is staggering. So I feel you, girl. I feel you. Back on. I only recently started forcing him to give the baby baths every other time. He has taken the baby to one pediatrician appointment alone. <clears throat> that would be that would be a sight. But his job when he was here was also, also usually during business hours, so it fell on me to do that too. I am so burnt out and miserable. I'm already on antidepressants. I want to quit one of my jobs, but my husband is worried we can't afford it right now. Part of the reason he decided to do a travel job was because it paid significantly more. I've told him many times how miserable it is for me. And he says, I know, it's just for a short time. It'll get better, et cetera, et cetera. Which I know is true for a lot of this. And pause me talking. I, you know, like that's the part of it, right? We know that it's just for short, such a short time. And like, we only have our kids for so long until they're kids. And then they're like, teenagers and then you know they just move on in their lives and you're sitting there wondering what happened but like it's a lot it's a lot but what really irritates me is that despite knowing how miserable and over overwhelmed i am he acts annoyed that i want him to drive back and forth the two days he is here it's a six-hour drive so it's not great but just having somebody else to parent, even for two hours, would be worth a 20-hour drive to me. Girl, I also feel that on a deep and emotional level. Sometimes, there was one time, I actually had to call Jimmy to come get the children because I couldn't. Like, I just could not handle it. I love them. I care about them. But I was like, I am not in the place to, to handle this anymore. So I feel that. Recently, he pulled a muscle in his back at work and his doctor put him on restrictions. Since he's a traveler, he won't get paid if he's not working. He's all, he also likely can't work until he's off restrictions due to the nature of his job. He told me he was annoyed, but it wasn't that bad. And he's going to get be pissed off if he misses out on the rest of the week's pay because of this. I asked if he would come home if they said he couldn't work. He said, sure, but maybe a day or two later, literally one day before he would normally come home from work. Because he doesn't know how his back would do sitting in a car for six hours. 
His back was, quote, fine, but now he can't sit in a car for six hours. I can literally hear this woman talking to me as as I'm reading it. Like, I can feel this woman's anger boiling inside her. I really want to strangle him. All I actually said was, I hope your back feels better. Meanwhile, me and the one-year-old both have been battling a cold. I feel like shit. The baby hasn't been sleeping. And I don't get a break because I'm sick. I really want to tell him to suck it the fuck up and either come home or go to work or expect to come home to divorce papers. At least if we co-parent, I would actually get a fucking break half of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sure lots of us out there have maybe uh, said or thought that. And we love our partners, right? Like, that's the whole crazy part about this. It doesn't mean we don't love our partners. It just means parenting is hard. Uh, But I have not been feeling super rational lately, so I wanted to ask the Internet's opinion. Am I overreacting? I know right now is super stressful. Home renovations are stressful. Small children are stressful. One partner traveling for work is stressful. Financial strain is stressful. Having two jobs is stressful. Altogether, it feels like I'm going to explode and constantly I feel like puking. I'm just tired of crying all the time. I scheduled an appointment with my doctor to see if there's any more potions he can add to my regimen to make me forget I never sleep or do not do anything I actually enjoy. But until then, single moms, how do you do this shit without jumping off a cliff? I know I'm not really a single mom, but I thought someone might at least have some tips or tricks that could help. Sorry for the novel. I'm just a little better having written it all out. I think this person encapsulates what so many of us feel and what she's describing, whether she knows it or not, is the burden of being the primary parent. And it's often a role that you don't know is happening until you're already in it. It's kind of like this voluntold. I love that she used that word, this voluntold thing. I was having a conversation with my cousin who is, you know, one of my best friends. And I love that we have such, such open, safe spaces. And, you know, she was like, you would think my husband and I are both working professionals. We both work equal amounts of time. We are both equally as important and dynamic in our children's life. You would think that the school would call him first, maybe once, flip-flop it. I don't know. Send an email his way about what the kid needs for the first day of school. She's like, no, it always comes to me. It's always that burden. Now, me, I the other day, Jimmy and I were both standing in the kitchen and our babysitter comes in and I'm running late to a meeting. So I'm like literally rushing around. I'm like throwing things in the dishwasher and, you know, trying to run up the stairs. And as I'm doing all this, you know, Jimmy also has to leave for work, but he has a later timeline. Our our nanny looks at me and says, oh, can you just help me real quick with putting one of the twins, you know, in the carriage? And I looked at her and I was like, no, ask Jimmy. And like, we have a really good rapport and I can say things like that to her. And I'm like, listen, woman, ask this man right here. He's standing right here. He's perfectly capable of helping. And I ran upstairs. But I think that's the thing, right? We always turn to the primary parent. And traditionally, it's mostly mothers, Because we have these things thrust upon us as the primary caregiver. And I get it, right? Like when babies are really young, like there's that maternal instinct, which 100% I get. I totally get. 
Like it's just something that men don't necessarily have. It's not hardwired. It's not a deficit. It's just not built in. I get it. But it carries on. And even my kids, they're again, one and a half. They come to me like with their shoes or you being like poop, poop. But dad sitting right next to them because I'm either the one that always does it or I don't know, maybe like they like it better when I'm gagging from their stench. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But it is something that is very prevalent to this primary parent fatigue on top of parenting fatigue. And I truly think that's why women especially are more susceptible to being affected by burnout in a lot of ways. And I remember writing this post when I was pregnant with the kids and it was about how, you know, men are never going to get it. And men don't understand what that means and what that looks like in a lot of ways. And the thing is, as women, I think we expect that they should. But the reality is that they they won't. And that's why having other female friends or having men, women, people, again, I'm not trying to be gender stereotypic or gender normative, but you know, traditionally here, having people that allow you to have a place to vent or allow you to say, the things that are on your mind about parenting and don't shush you up or, you know, shove a article at you or make you feel like you're not doing a good job as a parent because you feel these ways is wildly important. Now, before I get too much into what I think you should do, some free, free advice here is from the New York Times that burnout scale. Now, you're going to ask yourself on a typical Likert scale, how much do you identify with the following questions? Um, From not at all to very much so. So get out your pens. Here we go. Number one, I get or feel easily irritated with my children. I feel that I am not the good parent that I used to be to my children. I wake up exhausted at the thought of another day with my children. I find joy in parenting my children. I have guilt about being a working parent, which affects how I parent my children. I feel as if I am in survival mode as a parent. Parenting my children is stressful. I lose my temper easily with my children. I feel overwhelmed trying to balance my job and parenting responsibilities. I am doing a good job being a parent. Now, these 10 questions won't give you any type of clinical diagnosis, but hopefully they can help you clarify how depleted or not you feel to maybe get you into a place where you can get help. And this, my friends, is what counseling really is for, right? Going to see somebody you can talk to about these things is important because we need to speak about them. We need, it's like purging, right? We need to get some things out. And we need to hear ourselves say it to recognize, like, do I actually believe that or is that just how I feel? And that's a really empowering thing. The other thing that I recommend outside of going to seek professional care, and it doesn't have to be professional. You can sit with your group of moms or dads or parents or just people in your life that allow you to have space to vent without judgment. That's all totally fine. But if you're feeling on the more severe side of things, please go see a professional. One of the other things that you can do is it's a quality, not quantity perspective. I want you to take five minutes vacations. 
Join me in my cruise to nowhere and take a ride when you have it. You don't have to be fully present with your children at all time. That is not a realistic thing. If I'm with my children for five hours outside of my work time, there is no way I am going to be fully present with them for all five hours. If I was with Jimmy, I wouldn't be fully present with myself. I'm not fully present with anybody for five hours. And that's the best part about working, right? And having meetings. Meetings are sometimes scheduled. And when there's too many, we feel this. But meetings are scheduled. Hey, we need your attention. Be present. Be present for the next 30 minutes. And again, meetings don't work out, sidebar tangent, because when we have too many of them or they go too long, we lose audiences. They're supposed to be bite-sized microdosings. Anyway, so figure out the times that you're going to be intentionally present with your children and make the most of that. Read a book together. Sit there and play something with them that they want to play. Hear about their day. With older kids, there's lots of research that when you're having talks with them, when you want to connect with kids, usually like sixth grade or up, go in the car with them. Another cruise to nowhere. Maybe this one has ice cream or some sort of treat with it. But walking side by side with an adolescent or sitting in a car side by side with them versus sitting face to face with them yields much better results in trying to connect with them because it doesn't feel so you're right in front of me. I have to look at you in your face. The side-by-side kind of relationship allows people to have way more conversational talks or even difficult talks uh, much more comfortably. So little life hack for you there. But absolutely lean into a quality, not a quantity, because your kids will remember the quality times that you spent with them more than recounting every time that you were there. The other thing that I want you to do is I want you to connect with your partner. If you are feeling primary parenting fatigue, I want you to speak to your partner. And it might be your co-partner. It might be if you have a blended family. It might be a very big dynamic of people. But start to ask the people around you, your supports, listen, I have so much on my plate. What are you willing to take off? Not, I have so much to do and you do nothing. Like that's not going to get you anywhere. I promise it's going to feel really good to say in the moment, but it is not going to help with an outcome. I want you to sit there and say, what can you take off my plate? Because I need you to do that for me because I can't do it all. So you pick, I'll let you pick. And therefore they get to be an active participant in that and you can hold them to it. So make it very tangible, literally make a list and start to divvy it up or start to see what other places and spaces that you guys can explore to help ease the burden. Because I'm going to use a cliche and I'm sorry, but it doesn't mean it's not true. If you are in an airplane, they instruct you to put your air mask on first before assisting others with theirs. I suppose then you have to pick the child you like most and assist them first before the next, but that is neither here nor there. The primary thing is you have to put your air mask on first before you help anybody else with theirs. This is no different, friends. So getting what you need, getting yourself to a sane and stable place amidst the chaos, because it will always be there, will make you a better parent and hopefully take you out of that 66% of parents who are burnt out that the New York Times is talking about and allow you to feel frustrated, but in that moment, and then move forward from it without it collecting and without it staying with you and being so, so heavy. 
ultimately there there is no cure for parenting other than you become a grandparent which i hear is a wonderful experience my mother likes to say to me all the time that if she knew how amazing being a grandparent was she would have had her grandkids first so apparently that is the only cure for this is when you become a grandparent but until then i hope all of you are leaning into the care that you need and parenting yourselves and giving yourself that care so you can go and you can give it to others. Till next time, you can always DM me at Dr. Daryl Appleton. You can email me at otherfwordspodcast at gmail.com or you can find a virus to send home with one of my children on the playground as I am sure that will happen often. Either way, I'm looking forward to hearing your comments and your feedback on parenting fatigue. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hosted on dimlywit.com.